0: Welcome to Broadway Bullet, Volume 406, for April 15th, 2010. Oh, well, oh my gosh, I was laid up so sick, sick that I've been in years uh, for almost this entire time between shows. Thankfully, somebody last minute in the middle of my... Uh, Coma emailed me about getting a couple interviews on and I was at least awake enough to book them. So we do have a show for you today. We have got uh, people from Barrier Island from MT Works as well as Boo Art's presentation of The Love Lovelist. Uh, Marty Cooper is also back this week for On the Positive Side and we're going to hear songs from the cast recordings of A Little Night Music and uh, Next Normal in celebration of their Pulitzer Prize win this week. So uh Buckle up, and uh, let's get started with the program.
4: On the boards.
0: New Orleans wasn't the only city hit by Katerina, and Galveston, Texas also uh, took a lot of that and a lot of the refugees. And in Barrier Island from MT Works, uh, we hear a little bit more about what was going on over on that side of the Gulf. We've got playwright David Stallings and actress Jennifer Lane Williams here to talk about the show. How are you guys doing? Hi.
5: Good to Thank see you. you. How are
0: you? All right, I'm 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 recovering. I've oh. I've had a nasty nasty cold. Oh know. <laughs> I think you can still hear it in my voice a little bit. How are you guys doing? <laughs> doing really good, well. Good. Excited. <laughs> well, so first thing here is tell us a little bit about Barrier Island.
5: Well, Barrier Island takes place <clears throat> in Galveston, Texas, and um, I kind of grew up there from the age of eleven upwards. So it was really uh, inspired by that and by the feelings I had growing up. Uh, even though it's not an autobiographical piece, per se. And uh, it takes place in the two weeks right before Hurricane Ike, which hit in uh, September of 2008 and really devastated the island. And not a lot of people know about the hurricane. So Oh, I,
0: so I got the complete hurricane It's wrong. not Katrina,
5: actually. <laughs> no, we actually, uh, Galveston and Houston got a lot of transplants, Houston being only like uh, 60 miles north of, of the island of Galveston, uh, got a lot of transplants from Katrina and helped a lot of... Uh, Katrina people recover and you know some people on the island didn't like that but they just had to deal with it and um, then just just a short while later we had a devastating Hurricane Ike which um, really destroyed a large part of the island and a lot of people don't know is one of the top three most expensive costly storms to the US today so you know it kind of happened in Katrina's wake but it really hurt a lot of people
0: and uh, Galveston actually had a notable uh, big hurricane in like the early 1900s, correct?
5: Well, my great grandmother lived <laughs> through no joke the 1900 storm, which was which killed like six thousand people, and uh, it, it devastated the island. And after that, they but my she was eight, my great grandmother, oh. and she um, she lived through it with her father, and they built a, a wall on the southern coast of the island, a 15 foot wall, and then built the island up. So um, the seawall is really famous in Galveston because they actually built it so that the island wouldn't go underwater the next time.
0: So were there any uh, parallels that you found? In, did you work on any parallels between the two hurricanes that you are putting in the show together? or
5: well, Jennifer has a lovely monologue. <laughs>
1: uh,
5: where, uh, actually I do, I Where
1: actually I named Jennifer's
5: character after my great-grandmother. And um, definitely she, she does have a speech about the storm at one point in the play. And uh, Laura Russo was my great-grandmother's name. So. That's who she's playing. A historical figure. Well, but it's fictional. I mean, fictional. You don't look like my great-grandmother. Okay. So. A little
1: younger. A little. A little.
0: <laughs> just a little bit, though. So, uh, Jennifer, what attracted you to the show?
1: Um, well, I, I, I'm from... I always am attracted to uh, plays that take place in the, in the South. I grew up in Oklahoma, so I, there's something about these characters that I just sort of identified with off, right off the bat. Um, and just, you know, the the way that they the way they live and, and how the the town interacts and sort of the themes about leaving, well, I don't know if it's a theme, but the the ideas about leaving your home and then, you know, what do you do when you come back after so many years and, and, and make contact with the, the world that you left behind, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, speaks to me a lot because that's kind of what I did personally, in my life, I I lived a great. I haven't lived in Oklahoma, and I don't know, half as old as half as long as I've been alive. I guess <laughs> so mm-hmm. when I go back, it's always like, oh wow, this is a different world. So it's it's um, Laura going back and and sort of reintegrating to a certain extent into this world was really interesting to me. Mm-hmm.
0: So um, David, you've written quite a few things now with MT Works, right. and uh, do you see any sort of thread that ties your your work together? Well.
5: I I love to write about, about cultures and, and groups within society that that accept things that we on the surface normally wouldn't want to accept or wouldn't want to acknowledge that we accept. And um, this play really is about, you know, the, the hurricane uh, coming is a backdrop for the play, which is really about this character, Laura, who is a single mother bringing her child back to the town she grew up in and witnessing... Why she, what made her want to leave in many ways, but then also witnessing what she loves about the place and the community and uh, and the choices that we have uh, as within our culture and within our communities to either fix problems or live with them and that 's definitely something I always end up writing about is do we fix a problem or do we do we live with it and as a culture, is there complacency or is there pride is there apathy or is there uh, you know, more pride? I
0: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jennifer, is this your first show with M.T. Works? Yes, yes. Uh, sorry, are you looking forward to do more? I know that M.T. Works quite often uses a, a pool of...
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, well, my experience so far has been fabulous. I mean, everybody, everybody is, is great. I've, I've had a wonderful time. I don't know, every, just top to bottom, everything is well run. Uh, the, the material is fantastic. The other actors are great. I've just had a great time.
5: Well, we're yeah. really happy to, to work with you. She's auditioned for us before.
1: Yeah. <laughs> for
5: when we did Annie East Eastman Goes to Hell, she auditioned for us, and we remembered how awesome she was and really fantastic. And then she came in, and it was just the perfect time and the perfect role, and we yeah. were really happy to have you play yeah, this Yeah, I was
1: one. really excited. Yeah.
0: So I always like getting into different questions. On, besides the show, Jennifer, how frequently do you hit the audition circuit in New York?
1: Oh, I would say probably, I mean, a few times... A week uh, you know and sometimes sometimes not I mean <laughs> it depends on the on the uh, you know the week and the economy and things like that you know <laughs> what's going on <laughs> um,
0: how do you how do you decide and figure out what you're going to audition for
1: um, well, what are
0: your what are your tips your clues to get out there to other people for ways to read between the lines on what's, what's right. worth trying out for
1: um I mean I do a lot I mean if, if I don't get called in or, or you know submitted um, I, d- I look at the equity website and I think that's how I found your audition notice, as a matter of fact. Um, that or, right, it was, some, it was in uh, New York Casting's email that I also get. But, um, yeah, I do I do primarily the um, equity website and actors Actors access, which is the, you know, legal form of the breakdowns that actors get, the things that, are, that, that the casting people put out to actors specifically. Um, not that any actors actually get the breakdown so legally that doesn't happen but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no i mean a lot of things i I've, I've gotten i've either gotten through people that i already know i mean just 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 networking and and having worked with people before or through the equity website and either the epa's or photo resume requests
0: mm-hmm. and and david when you're sitting at an at auditions what are you looking for what are your what are your tips for you know people as the audition
5: someone to bring to life a role that I only have words for. <laughs> and to <Aww>. to to, <laughs> yeah. to you know, I, I I actually don't look for someone to to come in and and, and be what I've imagined in my head. I, I'm looking for someone who lives and breathes the words and says them in a way I've never heard them in my head before. And uh it brings an honesty. I mean, you know, especially in a play like this, which is Realism. I usually do something a little bit more fantasy. <laughs> but, you know, I usually do stuff that's a little bit larger. This is real, true realism. And, and to have the, the true quality of, of honesty, of emotion, was really nice.
0: So, anything on your, either of your plates coming up after this?
1: First. me I mean, first. Um, let's see. Well, I think I will be heading to Vermont this summer uh, to to play a role in a Carol Churchill play, Mad Forest, um, which I'm excited about. It's a company in uh, at associated with Middlebury College, the Breadloaf School of English. they do um, it's an English school, but they they've been hiring actors for thirty, I think at least thirty years. they they create an acting ensemble, and uh, we do a show, and we also we also. Uh, participate in the classwork, which is kind of interesting. Like I, I think last summer I was I was Hester Prynne at one point. Um, <laughs> I was uh, somebody you know in the dust bowl that was featured in a, a photograph in a book. I mean, it's it's really sort of run the but Somebody out of a graphic novel, we we kind of get creative about how we bring this stuff to life, which is really interesting because. I forget. I, I read things in a different way now that I'm a performer. I didn't actually always do this, but now that I've I've been doing this for a while, um, you know, it's it's I you read things, you see them, you feel them, and and I think a lot of times people, you know, people who analyze literature, they 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 read it in a very different way. So when they see it come to life before them, it's just sort of their, their the appreciation is huge. I mean, it's such a good feeling that you're like, oh, I've helped them see this in a much different way. They're always like, oh, I didn't think about it that way, or I didn't see this, I didn't feel this way about this character who, you know, seemed so much more like a villain, but because you bring it to life and you give her all these other dimensions, people are like, oh, I, I totally now I kind of feel sorry for her. You know, it's just kind of to watch their their viewpoints change because it's a three-dimensional representation as opposed to something you just read in a book. So there's that, in addition to the show, is really great, and it's a great group of people. So that's what's next for me in the summer.
5: <laughs> um, I Boo Arts. I don't know if you—they you, work through Manhattan Theater mm-hmm. Source. They're uh, looking to produce my play, A Daughter of Israel, about women drafted yeah. into the Israeli army. And uh, I believe that's going to be in the fall or spring. I believe we
0: got somebody from Boo Arts following you like oh, right great. today for an interview.
1: So, so
5: yeah, the, I guess <laughs> their next project uh, they're looking to be one of my plays. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Anaïs is having some readings across the country. So I'm trying to make that play go go regional. You know, if I, even if I have to beat some people up to do it. And uh, that's I'm. How it happens, I it is that's how it works in this- industry.
0: I mean, you've got some great plays out there. Are there any, any resources, any places where people around the country can find your plays to read them or look at producing them? Or? Well,
5: I would, I, you can always email me at stallingswrites at gmail, uh, but also um, I haven't been published yet, which I really am hoping can happen soon, um, but um, maybe one day, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I. I I, I don't know. I haven't been published, so. I'll publish. We'll see. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So once again, the show is uh, Barrier Island, and it runs from April 30th through May 22nd.
5: Yes. And, and center uh, stage. <laughs>
0: and, and where is that?
5: That's 48 West 21st Street. That's right. Fourth floor. Very good. Buzzer401. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and is there a website people can go to for more information on all this?
5: Uh, you can always check us out at MTWorks, www.mtworks.org. And uh, come and see it. It's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. We have fun. a great cast. Carol Hickey is going to be uh, in the cast. She's mm-hmm. from the original Fringe production of you in Town. And she she's could. a force to be reckoned yes, with. Indeed. Anthony Krepp. Is a, a company member. Of MT works, mm-hmm. and Christina Alasse is directing. And she, you know, she and I work really well together. Yeah, she's great. She is good.
0: All right. Well, once again, David Stallings and Jennifer Lane Williams. Thanks so much for coming down and Thank talking you. about uh, Barrier Island, and hopefully we can get out to see it.
5: Hopefully, in four weeks, come see us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The theater world was rocked and shocked this week as Next to Normal was a surprise winner for the Pulitzer Prize winner for Drama for 2010. So uh, I'd like to congratulate writers Brian Yorkey and Tom Kitt uh, by playing another track from the uh, Ghost Light release of the cast recording, Next to Normal. This is Light, sung by the full cast. It's the closing number of the show. And uh, remember, you can pick up the cast recording at iTunes, iTunes, Amazon and other outstanding retailers. We
2: need some light. First of all, we need some light. You can't sit here in the dark and all alone. It's a sorry sight. It's just you. You'll see Night after night We'd sit and wait for the morning light But we've waited far too long For all that's wrong to be made right thought we knew. The light will make it look brand new. So let
0: How many times have you sat down and made out the list of what your ideal mate would be? Well, that's the concept of The Love List, written by Norm Foster. It's being presented by Boo Arts from April 28th through May 15th. And we have got actor Jarrell Davido and uh, director Jessica McVeigh. Uh, I didn't check that before you went in the booth. And yeah, no, then no, that's wrong, isn't it?
4: It's just McVeigh.
0: McVeigh, okay. And and my first name is Gerald. (laughs) Gerald. Yeah. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Messed all this up. I I have to do that at least once an episode. (laughs) (laughs) We're off to a rousing start. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, kind of before we get going on, uh, tell us a little bit about The Love List.
4: Where to start?
3: (laughs) Uh, It's a romantic comedy. It's a two-act play. Uh, Norm Foster is uh, uh, Canada's most prolific playwright. It's, uh, it's Does that mean he's done two plays? <laughs> I think I, I think that. I, think I the, like bragging on yeah. Canadians. <laughs> it has to be at least five, I think. Right. He's done at least three, I think. Um, um, but it's uh, it's a romantic comedy, and it's about a man on his 50th birthday who uh, his best friend gets him this thing called the love list, where he has to fill out the top ten qualities of uh, things that he's looking for in The Perfect Woman, and, and he fills it out, and the next night, this woman... Magically shows up at his door.
4: And hilarity ensues, basically. <laughs> we can't tell you anymore.
0: <laughs> okay, can't tell me more. All right, that was one minute and 30 seconds. All right? Yeah. Love list runs from <laughs> April 20th. <laughs> Gerald
4: says romantic comedy, but it's also a fabulous little bromance that we have going on. Um, That's true. The two, the two guy Our characters. Our favorite
0: new word, know, bromance. Yeah. <laughs>
4: The two guys in the show, uh, especially, and the two actors in the show, just work so well together. And Isn't bromance so really
0: funny? just a disguise thing of, hey, this gay people will love this, but we don't want to say that? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, don't know I suppose everybody that. will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, sorry, continue. I interrupted on the, the Oh, bromance. no,
3: uh,
4: it's, uh, what, I don't What was I saying? (laughs) Bromance, that's right. Talking about the bromance of it it all. Um, No, the the two of them work so well together, both in the script and in the rehearsal process. I love watching them. Um, And so, yeah, we say romantic comedy because, obviously, love list. How can it not be? But it's just a fabulous friend show where you can just go and watch these two people just relate to each other and then to this magical third person that enters their life out of absolutely nowhere. It's a lot of fun.
0: All right. So, uh, well, how did you discover the playwright? Norm Foster.
4: Uh, Actually, I was given the script from the producer, uh, Kathleen O'Neill. She's the uh, co-artistic director of Boo Arts. And uh, I had worked with her before, and she gave me this script and was like, What do you think? And I fell in love with it immediately. I'd never heard of Norm Foster. Um, I, I've since read a couple of his well, he's plays. Canadian. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 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 kind of off the radar. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I've read a couple more of his plays, and, and they're fantastic, too. But I'm very much in love with Lovelist, so very lucky that she pitched that one and handed it to me. So,
0: <laughs> so and uh, Jarrell J- or Gerald? jerrell I always <laughs> want to put the – you're not yeah. black. Uh, I want to give you... Norm, i Superman's
3: father, <laughs> which I get a lot, I too. I just want to give you that,
0: that you know, cool black inflection on your name. Um, <laughs> what what attracted you to the show?
3: Uh, well, it was kind of the same thing. I I'd, I'd never heard of Norm Foster, and um, I had never heard of the play. It was just an audition that I went on, and... Uh, after I k- got cast in the part, I read the play, <laughs> and and just like Jessica, completely hey, that's, fell a,
0: that, that's a true, honest New Yorker. No, oh yeah, no, absolutely, man. It was, it was, You know,
3: I mean, it was just another audition that I went on, and uh, and it went really well. Obviously, hey, you came out
4: of nowhere for the auditions. We were like, oh, who's this add-on person? And then you walked in, and all three of us or five of us, I think, were there in the audition, and we were just like, oh done like this is not really a question oh well that's cool
3: (laughs) (laughs) from your lips to god's ear
4: (laughs) actually all three of my actors all three of them walked in and and the there were like five of us auditioning all these people and every single one of them of the actors who walked in we were like and done and our our call our callback session afterwards to talk about who we wanted to cast and blah 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 was about five minutes
3: it really was
4: (laughs) we're like and gerald kate and jake done
3: Yeah. (laughs) That worked out well for all of us. Yes,
4: we got very lucky.
0: (laughs) Now now you said Kate's the, the actress. I'm guessing she was a bit harder to cast with, obviously there was a list involved in the show that the actress had to fit the criteria somewhat? Actually
4: it's funny well the show, uh, in the show itself, uh, Bill the main character says he doesn't want any physical characteristics on this list. So ah, I actually So was,
0: the, the playwright made it easier to yeah. cast Yeah. <laughs> well he
4: actually somewhat made it harder to cast because everyone was like well what do you want for your physical description? And I was like she could be anyone <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Do I want her tall? Do I want her short? And um, it was really just the energy and Kate walked in and she's a little pixie of a girl and well A pixie of a woman, I should say. Um, But she walked in and just had this magical energy, which is what I put down. She needs to have a magical energy, which, of course, everyone laughed at because how do you say that? But she walked in and she had it right there.
3: Yeah, she really did. I mean, she just, I mean, every time that we read together in the callback, it was just, I mean, it sparked. It was just great.
4: Yeah, exactly. And they had us in stitches in a callback audition. It was great.
0: So for either of you, has there ever been anything in your own life that you've wanted something exactly, there's been something very specific you wanted and you got it and it
3: wasn't what you were hoping? Hmm. <laughs> wow. Awesome. it describes almost my whole life.
2: Really.
3: <laughs> 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 um, I, uh, it all started when I was a little boy. Back yeah, then. <laughs> back in the day. I do, I do remember when I was a young actor and I just moved to Orlando, of all places, because they were opening Universal Studios. And I got a job at Universal Studios as a tour guide. And I I really wanted to get into the entertainment department. I wanted to be in one of the shows that they had there. But the only job they offered me was as a tour guide. And I worked as a tour guide for for a couple of years. And then at the tail end of it, I got cast in... At the time was the Ghostbusters show, which was really cool. It was a lot of fun. I played the Lewis Tully character, which was what Rick Moranis played in the movie. So I did that for about six months. But it was... You know, I moved to Orlando knowing that they were going to open Universal Studios, and there was a lot of rumors that they were going to open. Other other movie studios were going to open, and it was going to be like Hollywood East, and they were really going to try to, and Disney was already there, obviously, and they were really going to try to turn it into something, and it just never happened. You know, I mean, I had a good gig at at Universal for a couple of years, and that was fun, but all the stuff that a lot of people were talking about just, just never happened, and... You know, it was a little disappointing, and then eventually I moved out. Because they all went
0: out and said, we're going to do this, and they go, hey, there's the beach.
3: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go chill. Exactly. There's Pirates so of the nicer. Caribbean. Let's just go ride that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one. How about you?
4: Um, The only thing I can think of is actually the opposite of that. Uh, When I was applying... You went
3: to Alaska. (laughs) Yes,
4: exactly. Exactly. No, uh, when I was applying for colleges, I uh, had all these picked out, and I decided to audition for NYU on a whim. I was like, I don't want to go there. It's terrible. It's like too big. Don't want it. Too impersonal. And I convinced myself that I did not want to go. And the day that letter arrived, uh, I did actually end up going to NYU, the day that letter arrived, I was just off the wall and my parents couldn't understand it. They were just like, you don't want to go. I was like, but now I want to go. And they're like, you understand how much money that is, right? (laughs) I was like, I don't care, I love it. So that's the opposite story if you want it.
0: (laughs) So as a director, how are you paying your student loans?
4: <laughs> uh, through long hard work at an office. <laughs> yeah, not not as a director, oddly enough. No. Sadly, sadly. <laughs> so
0: So yeah, but how do both of you keep your your, you know, day jobs and your, you know, and your artistic passions
3: balanced? Uh, I'm fortunate that I don't have a day job right now, Knockwood. I I do a lot of voiceover work and I and I've done Anything
0: uh, we've heard your voice does sound kind of familiar. Anything we might have actually Heard you do have that very pronounced, like yes, I'm very confident speaking with my
3: <laughs> my voice. Um, uh, I uh, um, well, let's see. I mean, the last the last one I did in this area was a McDonald's commercial. That was, but that was about a year and a half ago. Um, I did an IKEA uh, on-air commercial, and um, I the last one I did was uh, about two weeks ago. I just recorded something from Myers Department Store, which is a Midwestern department store. So just you know, I just grab whatever work I can get and. and Keep the train moving, as it were, you know? <laughs> and Jessica?
4: Um, I'm actually, this is kind of funny. I work for a URL shortening company. Bitly, if anyone uses uh, Twitter, it's the thing that shortens all the URLs. That's what I do. I sit there all day and shorten URLs.
0: That's actually done. <laughs> no, it's not done <laughs> It's one of the jokes like, of the office. Yeah. No, but
4: I do work for them. Um, and uh, they are... I wouldn't
0: have suspected they had employees. <laughs>
4: they have Bitly. many employees. Um, really? There's, there's a lot of us, How does yeah.
0: Bitly make money?
4: They don't
0: right now. Don't <laughs> oh, so you're part of that, that, that bubble. That, <laughs> yeah.
4: hey, we are part like, of that like bubble. Like Twitter.
0: Somehow, sometime, <laughs> exactly. maybe yeah. we'll make money until then. We're
4: working on that. So, um, But yes, I'm very fortunate to work for them and be able to do this um, kind of in conjunction with that.
0: So if you need to take off time to direct a show, does that mean Twitter people
3: are left hanging with no URLs?
4: <laughs> what do I do? This is too long. <laughs> How are we going to know
3: what Ashton Kutcher is having for lunch without <laughs> <Exactly>. Twitter? <laughs>
4: Um, no, I, they're fantastic people, and I walked in kind of saying, I will do whatever you need me to do, know that this is my actual passion and what I want to do, and they were like, okay, we'll take it. We want, we still want you to, to be here, so um, I'm able to kind of be flexible with that. And it helps to be the director, so I can be like, no, we're rehearsing evenings and weekends, mm-hmm. and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> so.
0: so I have to say, what do you do at Bitly. I'm intrigued. <laughs> if, there's no, if there's no revenue stream and they what? Are you a programmer? Are you like No, a,
4: I'm not. I'm actually working on the product that we will soon be hopefully selling to uh, publishers and newspapers and the like so that we will start making money. Okay. Um, it's called... Uh, I feel like I'm plugging Bitly. Um, <laughs> it's called Bitly Pro and it's some fantastic cool URL shortening thing.
0: So... <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So again, back to The Lovelist. Now, where is the show playing?
4: It's at Manhattan Theatre Source at 177 McDougal Street. It's down by uh, Washington Square Park. You know that place. Um, It's a fabulous little black box. They've got a whole community going. They've got an art gallery in conjunction. They bring in musicians to play while people, you know, are waiting for the show. They do little spontaneous combustion things. They have a lot of forums so that people can bring in new work. They do a fabulous, uh, it's called the Estrogenius Festival in, I believe, October every year, um, where it's, you know, plays written by women or about women or um, they do a lot of really great work. Um, And Boo Arts is one of the resident companies there. So um, it's all kind of a, Collaboration with each other um, and the f- space itself. I'm very excited to finally get in there. It's going to be great. All
0: right. So, and the website is boo arts.com. And they mm-hmm. can go for more information on the love list. So, uh, Ger- Gerald Davidson. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm <laughs> You're betting a thousand
3: today. <laughs> yeah, Gerald
0: Davidow, right?
3: Uh, you know, I've been getting it all my life. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> my parents had a good sense of humor, and they gave me a weird name. <laughs> my, my
0: brain is still not functioning from a week of uh, of being under the weather. <laughs> and uh, Jessica McVeigh.
4: Nice, fantastic. Right. Not
0: McVeigh. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks so much for coming down and talking about the Love List, and uh, wish you the best of luck with your run at Boo Arts. Thank, Thank you so much for having us. Thank it, you was, so
1: much. it was a pleasure. Listening
0: room. P.S. Classics has just released the new cast recording to the hit revival for A Little Night Music, and I thought I'd play one of my favorite tracks. Always one of my favorite songs from that show. In fact, one of my favorite songs in the entire musical theater canon is. The Miller's Son, and on this recording it's sung by Leanne Larkin so well, and you can pick up the cast album now everywhere, iTunes Amazon, and wherever great cast albums are sold. So check it out, pick up the cast album, and enjoy
2: I shall marry the Miller's son Pin my hat on a nice piece of property Friday nights for a bit of fun We'll go dancing Meanwhile It's a wink and a wiggle and a giggle in the grass And I'll trip the light fandango A pinch and a diddle in the middle of a pastor's bar the pinch and the punch To the punch and the pouch and the pension It's a very short road To the ten thousand lunch And the belch and the grouch and the sun business man five fat babies and lots of security friday nights if we think we can we'll go dancing And the sheets now foot, the highland fancy A dip in the butter and a flutter with what meets my eye It's a very short fetch from the push and the whoop To the squint and the stoop and the mumble It's not much of a stretch to the cribs and the croop And the bosoms that droop and go dry In the meanwhile There are mouths to be kissed before mouths to be fed And there's many a twist and there's many a bed. What passes
1: by
2: Or I shall marry The Prince of Wales Pearls and servants And dressing for festivals Friday nights with him all dancing Meanwhile It's a rip in the bustle and a rustle in the hay and I'll pitch the quick fantastic with flings of confetti and my petticoats away up high It's a very short way from the fling that's for fun to the thigh pressing under the table It's a very When I die And the person should celebrate everything Passing by And I shall marry the miller
6: Hi, this is Marty Cooper once again, and um, after all this time, I'm still on the positive side, I think. In any case, uh, I'll get over this business before I do anything else. If you have any opinions about what I say or want to get in touch with me in any way, uh, email me at BroadwayMarty. that's one word, at AOL.com. That said, uh, I just want to wish Mr. Sondheim, as everybody else is, a happy birthday. And uh, uh, I remember some 53, 54 years back uh, when I first heard that great Leonard Bernstein music for West Side Story, I saw a name attached to it and I didn't know who he was. It's hard to believe that at that time he was still in his late 20s uh, when he wrote the lyrics to West Side Story. Uh, How brilliant is that? In any case, uh, shortly after that, he... He uh, uh, hooked up with Julie Stein, uh, and they wrote a little confection called Gypsy. Uh, Actually, it was supposed to be his show, uh, but Ethel Merman didn't want to sing the music of an unknown. Uh, That's a big laugh. LOL, as they say. Um, He hooked up with Richard Rogers, wrote uh, Do I Hear a Waltz? Um, And then he wrote a little thing by himself, a funny thing happened on the way to the Forum, which was a so-so hit. At that time, it was it ran a long time. It was uh, over two years, I believe. But in any case, then the true genius started coming out, uh, and City Center last weekend um, uh, celebrated that genius, a show called Anyone Can Whistle, with a book by Arthur Lorenz. Uh, and it was a little insight as to what was going to follow. Um, and this production was near genius. Uh, the story is kind of a hodgepodge about, about who's crazy and who isn't. Um, actually, in this, in this time when shows about mental illness went Pulitzer Prizes, uh, it probably would have played better uh, but at that time, no one understood it, even though it it, uh, uh, it had Angela Lansbury singing for the first time. Yes, that's the first show she sang in, not Mame. Uh, Lee, 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 Lee Remick uh, sang in that show also, um, as did Harry Gardino. And people at that time didn't understand it. Uh, It's just basically a story about this little dull town and uh, needing a miracle uh, to make something exciting happen. Uh, But the story aside, the music and the direction and the choreography uh, are fantastic. Uh, Two great numbers in the show. One is called Simple, a big production number about, once again, who's crazy and who isn't. And Uh, the people in the cast wind up laughing and pointing at the audience. Uh, In the second act, uh, in the second act, there is a complete ballet. It's possibly the most ambitious thing that Encores has taken on. Um, The orchestrations are fantastic. Uh, By Don Don Walker, Uh, this was before Uh, Mr. Sondheim met up with uh, uh, Mr. Tunick. Uh, They only use woodwinds and a small uh, string section, uh, basically made up of cellos and basses. There are no violins. Uh, And it sounds terrific. And you had a high-powered Broadway cast. Donna Murphy, for one, uh, Sutton Foster, Rallispazer, they were all fantastic, and my hope, although they say it was, it would be uh, 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 far from reality, is that they would actually transfer that to not a theater like the St James, which seats seventeen hundred, uh, and that to me is why they didn't fill fill up for fin- Finian's Rainbow. Uh, I think. That theater in a smaller theater might have done better. Uh, but use a small theater, like maybe the Lyceum, or even try Circle in the Square, or, or the American Airlines Theater, one of those small houses that could actually fit this show and might fill up, giving you these people. In any case, that's my idea and doesn't seem to amount to anything. You know, I just hope also that they go into a studio and record these people, because it was just fantastic. In any case, uh, last week I saw uh, uh, Lacajo Fall to change the subject, uh, and I will go into that in more depth uh, on my next session. Uh, in any case, uh, I had a great time this last week, uh, and I'm still on the positive side, Once again, this is Marty Cooper.
1: Curtain Call.
0: Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Broadway Bullet, Volume 406. Remember, if you're looking for more information on anything that was in this episode, you can visit broadwaybullet.com and click on the show notes for Volume 406 to find links everywhere. And, uh... Uh, I'm recovering from my cold, so uh, hopefully I should have plenty of time to rope up some great interviews for our next episode, which will be May 6th, first and third Thursday of the month. Um, I'm expecting there's going to be a bonus episode somewhere in May (laughs) or two with all the Tony Madness coming up. So, uh, in any case, thanks again for tuning in. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and thanks for hopping on board the Broadway Bullet.
5: Actually, the
3: barfay thing comes from
2: my whole life. People just going, vulture, boggler. So, it didn't take much, though, when we proposed. Unpackage
0: those things with the audience and explore them a little bit. So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc., to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews... You know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution.